What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in, as always, for our last episode of 2020. Hmm. What a year it's been. It has been mostly a horrible, shitty year. As I'm sure most of you who are awake and cognizant for have realized. Uh... A year that started with uh, the death of Kobe Bryant and then came a global pandemic and what seemed like would be maybe a two-week quarantine has turned into 300,000 deaths in our country, mass unemployment, uh, an economic crash, thousands losing their homes because they're unable to pay rent. It has not been a great year, but alas, the year is over. And hopefully, with the dawn of a coronavirus vaccine, you know, we'll get through this and hopefully 2021 will be a better year. In these last few weeks, I have gotten on uh, two social media apps that I was not previously on. I got a Clubhouse invite. I also started a TikTok and I've been watching TikToks while I'm on the John and listening to Clubhouse at night. For different reasons, seeing a lot of like anti-vaccination stuff on there, a lot of flawed arguments, a lot of circular arguments, and a lot of doctors kind of trying to thwart the spread of misinformation. I just think it's going to be a long journey. I don't think this. Uh, I don't think the vaccination is going to be this silver bullet that gets us back to normal life because it seems like on both sides of the political spectrum. There are doubts about the science for some reason, which is disheartening to say the least. I, like I have mentioned, will be getting the vaccination as soon as I possibly can. I'm ready for life to get back to normal. I'm ready to be able to go places. This has been, you know, a pretty terrible year for my depression, I think, just because I don't have a lot of motivation to take care of myself um, not seeing as many people and not wanting to, I know that's a terrible thing to think is like, I'm only taking care of myself to keep up my appearances. But like in reality, that's how my depression works. My depression cares about what other people think and doesn't give a shit about, uh, how I think about myself. Just had to buy some new kettlebells and some new sneakers in hopes that I will start working out at the house because right when coronavirus started, I was ready to buy a gym pass and go start working out. I was like, man, I'm starting to get a little fat. I need to get back into the gym. And then gym shut down. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll just do it in two weeks when everything opens back up. And now here we are eight months later. um, And I don't know that gyms will open up in California for a long time to come. So who knows? So yeah, out to the driveway it is with some kettleballs. And hopefully I can stick to that. That said, accomplished my goal of uh, trying to stay on a weekly cadence all year with Kind of Neat. Did that. That's good. Had a lot of great guests on the show. YouTube is different than it used to be uh, when I was last doing the show. So only a couple of videos have really done numbers like they used to in the past. Those were Deborah's Child and Little Lotus. Shout out to them. Um, some other ones are catching on slowly but surely. The St. Panther video is catching on. That's a great song. She's going to be a huge star. It's a different social media climate out there for sure. It's not um, to the point where you can just put the stuff out anymore and and do the work and and the people will come. So I'm still kind of recalibrating and trying to figure out how to get 
noticed again, I guess. I guess that's the point of all this is to like have people look at it. I don't know. I did have some favorite records this year, and I listed them just in a random Twitter thread. I'll read some of them off here in case you guys missed any of them. Uh, These are in no particular order, but the way I have them listed on Twitter, the first record is uh, by a dude named Damagier. That is spelled D-E-M-A-H-J-I-A-E. Hard to spell, pretty easy to pronounce once you've heard it a couple times. Uh, the record is called And, comma, Such Is Life. And this is a really great rap record. I actually found out about Dimaggio because he came to the studio with Overcast uh, when Overcast came and did his episode. And Overcast was like, man, you got to check out the homie. He should do one of these. His name's Dimaggio. And I had never heard of him, so I just went, yeah, man, I'm, I, I'm excited to hear some music. Can't wait to hear it. And then this record came out, and I went, Jesus Christ, I should have just done an episode with him that day. The album is just spectacular. Uh, it's kind of on that art rap wave. I would say like in that vein of Mavi, Earl, Mike, um, Navy Blue, Navy Blue featured on the record, Overcast featured on the record, Zero featured on the record. Just a really great album, self-produced. Uh, so he also makes phenomenal beats. Hopefully when things clear up, he'll be able to make it down from the Bay and do the show. In the meantime, check out that record. Another one that I really loved that I just mentioned, uh, another artist that I just mentioned, that is Navy Blue, who made a record called, I believe it's pronounced Ada Arene, Ada Arene. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. It has some accents on the ADA part, and I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly. That said, Navy Blue is probably better known, I guess, as Sage Elsesser, uh, who is a skater and model and all around just like cool dude. But he raps as Navy Blue. And it's that same thing that I was just talking about with the Dimaggio record, where it's just this really organic, thoughtful, uh, beautiful record. Beats by a lot of my favorites. And just raps that you go, oh, that's so concise and simple of a thought put in such a clear way and a lot of his lines make me go damn it why didn't i think to say that so yeah navy blue ada arene check that out a couple of guests that we had on the show live liv.e i loved that episode loved her performance and like i said on that episode couldn't wait to tell you is just one of my favorite records of the year i just think it is the birth of a star yeah she's got a, a epic future in front of her so check her out now Swarvy, Sunny Days Blue, another guest that we had on the show. It's more of an EP. It's pretty short, but um, he just creates this world on that album, and it's a warm, feel-good record. Happy, sad stuff. You know, happy, sad. I just love that. Can't get enough of it. I think it's great. So check out Swarvy's uh, album if you haven't checked it out yet. Uh, Another album that I've been listening to since really the beginning of the year when it came out, uh, even before the pandemic broke, I was trying to reach out to her about like, oh, are you coming out to L.A. because she lives in New York? Her name's Kia. That's at K-E-I-Y-A-A underscore. And uh, her record Forever Your Girl is excellent. It's extraordinary. She produced most, if not all of it, and also wrote a lot of just beautifully deep, introspective and poignant songs. She is also just a star in the making. She's starting to get a lot more press. It's picking up as the end of the year lists roll in. 
she is somebody who definitely would have been on the show this year had things been more normal. So in lieu of being able to have an episode with her, I'm suggesting right now that you go check out Kia Forever Your Girl. You will not be disappointed. A couple of rap records. Um, Boldy James had a career-defining year this year. He's been around a long time, obviously. Records with Alchemist this year, and he put out records with uh, put out a record with jay versace so the versace tape i just thought it was great i really fuck with what uh jay versace is doing beat wise he just kind of finds these perfect loops stripped down to their barest elements it really allows rappers to just kind of go in and let their voice cut through on them yeah boldy james the versace tape check that out Uh, another favorite mike way to the world mike like i mentioned um, when i was talking about dimaggio just has that really organic style as weird as this sounds, when he raps, it sounds like he's smiling as he does it, which is really enjoyable to me. I don't know why. I just picture him smiling as he raps, even when he's talking about very sad things uh, or very introspective things. Uh, he is sort of one of the originators of the style of rapping that he partakes in. When you hear him, if you have not heard him before, you will probably recognize his style and go, oh, I've heard a lot of people using this style. And that's dope to me. That's that's some real originator shit. Uh, Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist Alfredo Gibbs, similar to Boldy James, having a really career defining year and Alfredo got Grammy nominated. That's insane. Gibbs is somebody who years ago, 10 years ago, when he moved out from Gary, Indiana to L.A., you know, we would just see him around at parties. He was he was the talk of the town even back then in like 2010, 2011, maybe even 2009. I can't remember. He, you know, was constantly getting written up in L.A. Weekly. He, he was looked at at the time to be like the next big thing. And then, I, I don't know, this year became the year that all of that came to fruition, I suppose. He had a great feature on, um, or a lot of great features, obviously, but a really memorable one on 500 Ounces on the uh, West Side Gun uh, Pray for Paris record, which was over an Alchemist beat. So when Alfredo came out, yeah, it was highly anticipated, came out as great as you'd expect, and now it's Grammy nominated. Fantastic. Pink Sifu and Fly Anakin, they did a collaboration record called Fly Sifus that just dropped within the last few weeks, and it is fantastic. I've hyped up Pink Sifu on about 100 fucking podcasts this year. He's great. I did a podcast with him uh, when I was doing the other podcast last year. Check him out if you have not. He is a super versatile rapper and artist. His album Negro this year is a departure from what you're used to with him. It, it is a genre study and, and a rage record just about being a black American and the the terrors that you face every day as this country tries to kill you, essentially. And it's a punk rock record. It's a hardcore record. It's a rap record. It's all these things. It's a jazz record, um, which is, it was another favorite of mine. It's, a, it's an important record. Um, Fly Sifu, Fly Anakin really made a huge impression on me with this record. Just an amazing rapper. And the two of them together seem to be really riding the same brainwave, and they just put together this beautifully cohesive record. And I hope they make more projects together in the future. One that I forgot to put on Twitter that I also loved, I forgot to put it on Twitter because it's not on Spotify, it was on Bandcamp, and I listened to it quite a bit, uh, is Motherland by BB uh, Mother. That is a fantastic record, too. Um, she's been putting in work forever. She's one of the most, I think, charming and interesting uh, people in rap. And also just like an extraordinary rapper, um, very listenable and and uh, extremely talented. 
And I think maybe Motherland is her retirement record, which is a shame because in my eyes, she's like still in her prime and in her stride. So hopefully that changes and she puts out some other records, but it's none of my business. Uh, either way, go check out Motherland if you've not heard it. It is wonderful. And then I already mentioned uh, West Side Gun previously, but he put out a bunch of great records this year, as he always does. I really loved Pray for Paris, particularly 500 Ounces. That's probably one of my most played rap songs of the year. And then he also put out Fly God as an Awesome God too, which I loved. Uh, my favorite track on that was Jose Canseco, both fantastic projects. He's an amazing curator. He puts out so much fucking music. So if you listen to one of those tapes and like it, just know that you got a lot to catch up on if you're not already caught up on him because uh, he puts out an expansive amount of music. So yeah, check out West Side Gun, one of my favorite rappers currently working. Jay Electronica's A Written Testimony came out. Loved it. Nothing to say about it that hasn't already been said. Also Grammy nominated. I'll be honest, I have not checked out the other one, Act 2, I think it was, the like bootleg of a bootleg or whatever, because it's not on any of the streaming platforms that I <laughs> am subscribed to. So one of these days I'll listen to that, but I'm sure that is also fantastic. Jay Electronica, I mean, this was really a year that Jay Electronica could thrive. The The story of the year is that it was the old rappers uh, or older rappers year to thrive. You know, all these guys that I'm talking about, West Side Gun, Freddie Gibbs, Boldy James, Jay Electronica, they're all my age and just killing it. So, of course, like Jay Electronica is going to have his year to thrive in 2020, because why not? The world is coming to a fucking end. Some of my favorite rap memories of the last decade were like driving around with Verbs and Westside Tie listening to to uh, Exhibit C, you know. And so I've been waiting for, for Jay to drop forever, and it's just great that he did this year. Uh, somebody that we had on the show whose record I really loved came out strong at the beginning of 2020 was Logies, Lo and Behold. I think that record's great. It's got some production from people that we've had on the show, like Alexander Spit, amongst others. He just recently did a song, a collaborative song with Ivy Soul um, on her EP Southpaw, which is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, Loji, if you didn't go check his records after he did uh, an episode of Kind of Neat, you should now because Lo and Behold is a banger. And Do Rent is very poignant uh, right now as well. Even though it dropped in 2017, it is still relevant today as millions struggle to pay their rent during an economic crisis and mass unemployment as previously mentioned <laughs> the loopers was our first guest coming back after a two-year hiatus and he put out three records this year all of them were great so i just kind of threw a dart and i'm gonna say go check out mosul offline just go to the loopers fucking spotify channel and just press play and just let it ride. He's done so much great work, and he's like painted a million paintings this year. I just uh, really envy his productivity and output, so go give him a listen. A new one that I just got put up on recently was this fella named Aerospace, who's out of the DMV. I just checked out the latest record that he put out, and it quickly became one of my favorites that I've heard all year, and I've been listening to it on repeat. I am going to butcher how to pronounce this, but I think it's... Uh, Senjugahara Hitagi Volume 4. Senjugahara Hitagi Volume 4. It's the latest record um, on his Bandcamp and on Spotify. And 
it reminds me, I mean, it just goes along with all the rap that I've been listening to this year where it's like the stuff that I would have been listening to in 2003 or four. It's just this great underground rap that sounds smooth, but angry and chaotic, but well thought out and just has this impeccable energy to it. So he and I have been talking um, via DMs and hopefully Again, when all this shit calms down, he'll be able to make it out to L.A. and be on the show. But in the meantime, warm up by listening to Aerospace, Senjugahara, Hitagi, Volume 4. Um, Some latecomers to the party. Your old Droog, who we had on the show back in 20, I don't know, 15. He just released, he released three great records last year. This year, he um, has been teasing uh, Dump Yod for... A long time and it finally came out dump yard the crew toy edition and man he is somebody who just keeps getting better and better as he continues to master his style it just becomes more and more concise to where there's not a single wasted bar and uh you know a lot of people i know there's a lot of memes of that uh, earl sweatshirt beat east the one with like the accordions and uh you know people trying to dance to it etc cetera, etc cetera. And, you know, uh, your old Drew should also get credit for for using beats like that. He uses a lot of, like, Ukrainian polka music and shit as beats and just loops those and goes in on them. His beat selection is very entertaining, and it can go from kind of, like, how the fuck did he rap on that to, like, oh, my God, I'm so happy uh, he found this beat type shit. Can't say enough about him. Fantastic rapper, so go check out Dump Yard if you have not checked that out yet. And, of course, I got to shout out the most expensive record that I bought this year, um, who is one of your old Droog's cronies, Makami. I bought uh, Mox Hard Lemonade. I paid for not the most expensive vinyl, but the cheaper of the two, which was $222.22. But you know what? I was having a good month, and I thought, let me treat myself. That record's fantastic. And then he also put out a record this year called uh, Fet de Mort, uh, a.k.a. Dia de los Muertos, both of those are fantastic records, the latter of which are on all streaming platforms. And Mox Hard Lemonade, I think, might be on Tidal, but I'm not sure. I don't have Tidal. But like I said, I bought the vinyl because I wanted to treat myself. So that's a wrap-up of uh, some of the records I've been listening to a lot this year. Other things I listen to, a couple of standout podcasts. Obviously, spoke about it in a couple episodes ago with the host of it, but if you didn't hear uh, Open Mike Eagles, what had happened was with Prince Paul, you need to go check that out. Absolutely unbelievable podcast, very listenable. Even if you're not that familiar with Prince Paul, I think it would still be enjoyable because there's just so much rap history in it. If you are super familiar with Prince Paul, you'll be blown away at the facts that are getting dropped. If you're mildly familiar with Prince Paul, it'll be a gateway into a lot of his music. So yeah, go listen to that. And another one that really opened my eyes and was educational for me this year, which I think I mentioned on a previous intro, was uh, Nice White Parents, which I only found out about because I'm still subscribed to the Serial podcast. And so the people who produce Serial put it in their podcast channel. It's called Nice White Parents. And it's just about the concept of school integration and how white parents with good intentions who want to integrate schools can often accidentally bulldoze black parents and parents of color 
with good intentions and bad results. And it was very eye-opening being that I'll be a father soon. Their education is something I think about and how to not be a shitty white parent and how to, you know, support public schools in a way that that is justifiable and equitable for everyone is something that weighs heavily on my conscience. And so, yeah, Nice White Parents, that was a great podcast, too. I don't know. That's kind of my end of the year wrap up, I guess. As far as favorite episodes of Kind of Neat goes, why don't I just do that and see what happens? And this is the 29th episode of the year. I don't know how that works. It seems like we did more than that, but I guess we've done 29 episodes. Who knows? This, yeah. And let me see. I'm going to do, I'm going to try to like boil down my top five favorites in no particular order. St. Panther, easily in the top five. Loved her. Been hearing her a ton on KCRW lately. Um, so I just think she's on her way to stardom, like I previously mentioned. So that's a top five episode for me, St. Panther. Um, Liv is another top five episode just because I think she is such an important artist. Um, I think she's destined for stardom and a long career. So Liv is another one where if you're listening now, go check that episode out. I'm going all women. Lena Fornia was another one of my favorite episodes and performance. I just think that uh, what she does with a 404 and a 555 is extremely impressive. And she was really just a lovely spirit to talk to. So yeah, Lena Fornia, go check that episode out. The episode with Ray Khalil, maybe the most impressive performance. She came in and just fucking absolutely crushed it. She's uh, Grammy nominated as a co-writer of Lockdown with Anderson Pack. So yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, Hook is another great episode. We've already done a longer, better podcast previously, but the uh, performance was fantastic. So that's an honorable mention. And then my favorite episode of the year, I'm going to say, is the one that the performance got the most views, but that's just a coincidence, I guess, was with Deborah's Child. Her video just broke 300,000 views, and her podcast was just really awesome. She um, has a story that... I would not have guessed she was very open and vulnerable about trauma, addiction, and her music journey, and I really love talking to her. So I'm going to say that that was probably one of that was my favorite episode that we did out of these last 30 or 29, whatever. But you know how it goes. I love every single person that we talked to. I had a great time talking to everybody, and I appreciate you guys tuning in. And I hope that um, your 2021 is better than your 2020. Would love to hear from you guys, so please feel free to email me, tweet me, DM me, whatever. Just let me know how you're feeling. Other than that, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, if you're listening to this very part right here, just thank you so much for tuning in every week. Thank you for tuning in just this week. If you just tuned in this week, thank you. We appreciate everything. I'm proud of what I've accomplished this year with the show, and I'm going to continue on next year. So here's to another year. Love you guys. Happy New Year's. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever. I forgot to even talk about the guest this week, Huey Briss, uh, but I made this intro so long that I'm not going to. You guys can learn about him in the show. Uh, He's got a new record out called Grace Park Gospel. It's available right now and more records coming in the next few weeks. Um, So get familiar with him. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Huey Briss. 
it's all starting to make sense to me. I met you earlier this year. And whenever I see you online, I kept being like, why does this name sound so familiar? And it turns out we met in this very studio earlier this year, and now it's all making sense to me. Yeah? Shout out to the fucking hip-hop community. Yeah, shout out to the hip-hop community. Shout out to Daddy Kev. But also beyond that, when you DM me on Twitter about doing one of these, mm-hmm. I also realized that you DM me about it way back in 2017. Yeah, that was before me and Nico dropped. Yeah. It's funny because I wasn't, I never really checked my DMs because I just try to avoid, you know, getting hit up about shit. But then to, to see that it does seem like, like the right time to have you on and to see that you had already tried three years ago, that was also very, like, I don't know, kind of touching. I was like, oh, yeah, he's been trying a while. That's very dope. Yeah, I fuck with that shit. I see, when you see, like, everybody in the fucking, that you respect yeah. on this same, like, background with this mic, and I'm like, it's very simplistic. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's too much pressure. Like, it's not sway where you got, like. Right. Like, you know. It's Everybody's like, watching live it's and like, shit. I felt, when I came to do it today, it's just like how I seen it on the shit. I'm like, oh, it seems like it's just him in a yeah, room. Yeah, that's all it and is. And that's what uh, little do like do you know to your uh, greatness or whatever. You might not have seen it, but <laughs> yeah. the more simplistic shit is coming back now. You was on that shit in 2017. Yeah. Like all the podcasts oh, I mean, now. Yeah, 2013. 13. That's yeah. before I was even worried about yeah, this shit. Exactly. So it's like, imagine like. You were up and coming rapper. You you got a hundred outlets, and then the one outlet that the mo- that's the closest to you is the most simplistic. Yeah. Know? So it's like me looking at that, like, oh shit, this, this seems like that's some tight. personal shit I could hit. I up. appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I try to look at us as like a good um, jump off for for folks. You know, what I mean, like a good platform to kind of media train in a sense. You know, even doing the interview part, like. I don't know. This is a lot of the times when people sit down in that chair, it's their first time doing a, a long interview. And, you know, the goal is to kind of like help up and coming artists get comfortable doing this kind of shit as well, because I never had anything like that when I was younger. You know what I mean? No, media. Ain't no artist development. Nah, exactly. But anyhow, let's get into it. Where where are you from, Huey? I'm from Long Beach, California, born and raised. The Brist Don't Miss sweatshirts, is that like an homage to your high school or something? To Jordan High, man. I dropped out of Jordan High. In Jordan Long High? That's in, that's in Long Beach? Yeah, it's, on the, it's right on Artesia and uh, Atlantic. Yeah. So if you cut, catch the 91, you probably see it. Yeah. If you're going towards like Orange County or like right. somewhere like that, you probably see it. or like. Yeah. The funny part is like that's an outcast school. That's kind of like a school where like all the outcast kids go and they outcasted me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck? Like, y'all, yeah. I got kicked out of this school. And it's like, they, I got kicked out of the outcast school. Like, damn, that made me so. In my merch, it's kind of like, that's why I called it the dropout tease. Because I was just like, yeah, I see what they did there. Why did like, you get booted out? They booted me out because there was like a lot of like gang riots at the time. And like my brother threw a Gatorade bottle at some kid. And then like we got in an altercation. And then like I couldn't walk home for like two weeks. Oh. And it was like a thing. So they transfer me to the big jordan because there's two jordans it's like one it's like a training for high school one like ninth grade and then there's the big boy one so they sent me to the big boy one early and then i was just kind of like that's when i dropped out of school i was just kind of like i kind of seen it early i was like oh i see what they're doing here how old were you when you dropped out i was in ninth grade so i was Man. like 15 maybe so young i was a kid my mom they sent me to like you know the ephs and all that but my mom was that's like a continuation school? Or yeah, so it was right. just like a daycare. Okay, But yeah. I never went. Well, so let's go back even farther than that. You're born and raised in Long Beach? Born and raised. Born Long and raised. How did your parents end up in Long Beach? My dad 
weird story. They're both the youngest in their families, so... Big families or what? Big families. Yeah. A lot of aunties and uncles, so they're yeah. both the youngest. They both ended up being, like, the most spoiled, and my family on both sides just kind of migrated to Long Beach, kind of, like, at the time, I guess it was, like, a, a, a good area. Yeah. Gra- one grandma had a daycare, and then one grandma was, like, uh, like an army wife, or yeah. what you call them, I guess. Yeah. So they was kind of getting money at that time. Moms and them, they kind of crossed paths because my dad's brother owned a beauty salon. Yeah. But, you know, jerry curls were the thing at the time. (laughs) Yeah. So my mom came into the beauty salon. Dad, And that's how they met. Yeah. Where'd your, where did your grandmothers come from? Do you know? Like down south? Mississippi and Tennessee. Yep. Yep. Okay. They bought Chattanooga, Tennessee and some part of Mississippi. Out of curiosity, do you know around what year that was that they, that they moved? My dad is born, my dad was born 1970. And he was already here. So this is probably the, in the 60s when they moved. For sure. You know, that was like a huge thriving community back then. There's a bunch of automobile factories mm-hmm. and everything. A lot of people don't realize that because people in our generation, they just associate Long Beach and Compton and all of these uh, parts of LA that are down south mm-hmm. with like gangster rap music. But like the reason there are huge black populations there is because those were thriving black communities oh, yeah. back in the 60s, right? And so how many aunties and uncles... Ooh, that's a conversation. But like, what do you think? Like, eight on each side? Seven on each side? I would say, like, seven. Really? Holy smoke. So you got, like, uh, the fucking hundred cousins probably, huh? And it's super weird because I don't even know them all. Really? Like, you know, that shit got scattered fast. Yeah. yeah. You know, motherfuckers start, you know, you got your white auntie and your uncle over here who the Asian family don't really like your cousin over here. And it just, Oh, wow. Well, I, my family was real diverse. Like, my, I had one of them families that, they couldn't wait to get the fuck out of Long Beach when yeah. they got it. Like, college, we're out. My, yeah. my mom is the only one. That's why I'm saying my mom and dad was the youngest. They were the two that were the most spoiled. And so, so they stayed. They stayed in Long Beach. They had that, like, home mentality. And everybody else dipped out. Got the fuck Mostly. out of there. Yeah. Hell yeah. Wow. Barstow is the closest uncle I got. Wow. Okay, yeah. So you don't have a bunch of local cousins. It's just immediate family. How many brothers and sisters do, do you have? Two sisters. Are, are you the youngest? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. So your parents meet at the uh, the beauty supply store, the mm-hmm. beauty salon. They yeah. get a hotel. That that was it. That day, they're like, it was just over with. Sparks. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. They was together for a minute too. That's the crazy part. They was together for a long, a minute. Like I would say, like a good two years before my dad went to jail. Oh wow. Okay. So did they ever get married? Hell no. No. He went to jail. Fuck that up. Okay. The funny story. This is out. Shout out to my dad for being just a complete fuck up. He, <laughs> he and I love him. That's my dog. I was just with him. Yeah. But <laughs> my mom even gave the motherfucker a second chance. Like when you get out of jail, like if you don't, she told him like if you don't marry me, yeah, like I'm out of here. Like what am I doing this for? You know, I yeah. just hold you down when you're in jail. Blah blah blah. And the motherfucker got out and got caught cheating in the bed. Oh the no, same bed. Damn, dad, fucked up by life. <laughs> So you're the you're the only child that your mom had with him? Oh yeah. Okay. First show. Yeah, yeah. So he how old are you when he goes to jail? I'm I didn't see him. I I I met my dad for the first time when I was 2. 
Okay. So he was already. So he was in when you were when you were coming he out. He was gone. Yeah, right. And I, but I don't remember him ever not being there. It's okay. So, weird. so you grew up with him around. Oh, yeah, but he was there for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. He was there. What's he up to now? He's just an old gang member. Oh, really? He worked and shit, but you know, he just an uh, OG. That's what they call him. Yeah. I, they call him OG gangsters. I just call them old gang members. <laughs> <laughs> they just oh, they just old as hell. I mean, so your dad is probably growing up in Long Beach in the eighties, where it was like the different. the prime time of he of, was in the crack era and shit. Yeah. He was different. Like mm. he was born in nineteen seventy, so in eighty two he was twelve. Yeah. So you got thing like yeah, thirteen, fourteen. So ninety two when yeah. I was born. So in the nineties was his peak. That's it. That yeah. was it. For that was probably. All of the, the I mean, all, all the shit that we grew up listening to, he was probably living. Yeah. He was living a different life. That's and really. he's such a different dude than me. Like, I'm so outgoing. I'm such a, like, I'm I'm a chameleon. It's like, if we with the Jews, I'm Jewish. If yeah. we in Rome, I'm Roman. Yeah, like, right, right. You know, so it's like, he's just straight, like, straight nigga. Like, he don't know how to do, He he's straight street smarts. Like, yeah. you ask him anything about taxes and mutual funds and anything of that nature anything with you know equity and anything like financial literacy he's out the comfort but you ask him about like how to get out of a shootout or like (laughs) how to like finagle somebody to give you free cable or something like can help you out with that wow that's crazy he a crafty dude when he when he gets out what does he do did he have jobs while you were growing up i think we was just real blessed with these looks and women were just down with (laughs) financially supporting our lifestyles whatever that may be so he's a slick talker he's real slick and dude 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 a hustler but dude was just always just such a, a, a i could give you a perfect example it's almost like the street ball legend that never made it to the league, but yeah. he was such a street ball legend that he could still go around his neighborhood, get free shirts here, get free this there. Be, you know, that's how my dad was with gang banging. Wow. It's like he never made it to the gang bang Olympics. Usually you get the 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 peak of gangbanging is like get the house in Riverside off the drug money and ne- <laughs> and never come back. Like you just he just got yeah. In their world, they think you could get $100 million selling crack, and then you just get out, and you just move to Riverside. That's the peak. Yeah, yeah. Or you go to jail for a long time, get out, and become a fucking ore refinery, and you go work at the fucking ports and uh, figure it out from there. Yeah. But he didn't either. Yeah. I don't know what that man was doing. I'm going to be honest. But, <laughs> but so you grew up with him in your life. He and was he's, there. Yeah. But my mom worked... My mom was one of them workers. You know, the 90s, you know, that they sparked that women yeah. empowerment. Real, that way was yeah. really working for sales. So my mom really got it in. And she worked for Costco. And she worked at Verizon for the last, like, 13 years. And nice. She was just one of those women that, like, she just felt like as long as she had her own job, her own house, and her own car, she was grown. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? She had me when she was 20. Yeah. So in her mind... As long as you got your own crib, your own car, and you working, You're that's doing it. it. So it's like, especially in the 90s, you could get an apartment for a certain amount of money. It was probably like probably like 800 for two-bedroom back yeah, then. She yeah. was living different. She had a BMW. You oh, know what wow. I'm saying? She was d- living different. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that kind of molded me into looking at it like, oh, okay, like I could go two routes. I could be like this motherfucker and be like, come out of like, kind of like getting it as I go. Or I could be like my mom's. And work full time, but really have no time to kind of like embark. Like my mom just now doing shit she wanted to do her whole life. Just right. now buying purses that she wanted in the 90s and shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like. Well, because she, she was taking care of you guys. I get it. Yeah. I, I get it now. 
I get the the cycle of of this shit now right. through them. Like, I got you. I definitely could say though, at this point in my life, I'm 20. I, they're proud that I did do better. Like yeah. you know, I did like have a more creative outlook yeah. on life. And I you said like, you're 20, 28. Oh, 28. I c- it could have gone either way. You feel know I me? Mean? Yeah. Your two sisters come along. Does your mom uh, marry the dude? The only she, the only person my mom married. Yeah. She never had a kid with him. Oh, really? They was just married for a hella long time. Yeah, I right. I know how long these motherfuckers were married. And do you look at him as a stepdad or is it just kind of like, nah, I have my dad? I, they broke up now, but he definitely was just a stepdad. Okay, yeah. But he was cool. Like, he was definitely not a stepdad. I got you. Yeah. He was definitely a gang member as well. Okay. Just fucking my mom. I don't really. Know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wish I had a man. <laughs> well, she had a type, man. That was it. Like, yeah. that was it for her. So he was cool, though. He was like a pit bull. That's how I treated him. Like, he was like a pit bull. Like, he just, somebody knock at the door, he just ran at the door. Like, yeah. Somebody, you know what I'm saying? He was like, yeah, okay. He was a protector. He was cool for the, he was really good for my sister's teenage years. And my sister's father is not her life at all. Yeah. So tell me about growing up in Long Beach, because I have spent a little time in Long Beach, but uh, but like I feel like Long Beach is probably a very segregated city, and so me going to visit white girls in Long Beach is probably very different from the area that you grew up in Long Beach, right? We had white girls too, but yeah, I grew up in the Long Beach that we always say like it's not in the brochure. Yeah, right. Geographically, what part of Long Beach is that? North side. The it's north kind side. of by Compton. The geographic part of it don't really matter no more, but like. It's definitely different. Like everybody, I always tell people too. It's like, like this is gonna sound weird, but like Long Beach is like, like a foreign city. It's like whatever you're into, they got a, a thing for that. Right. Like you could live in Long Beach and never ever meet a gang member, uh, ever. Right. I know motherfuckers who don't even know that culture exists until they watch the news. Yeah, and I know people that from Long Beach that gangbang full time that don't even know like you could like go to like. Horny Corner. You could go to Belmont Shore. Like, there's other beaches than just, like, the one on Ocean. They don't know. But it's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's, and it's it's up to us to kind of, like, like, us as, like, 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 Vance and, like, people like that to kind of, like, give them the geography before they get there so they can at least know, like, the North's not cool. Mm. It's not cool to, like, be over there and, like, hanging out. and It's nothing for you. Over yeah. There. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just go, go, to, go to Ocean. It's okay. Right. What's um childhood like for you? What are you into? It was tight. We was into we was into skating. Yeah. Pharrell had BBC yeah. booming at the time. We was heavily into skateboarding. We were heavily into How long did you skate? Shit. Forever. I'm I've been loving in love with that shit since You got tricks. Since pro skater for show. Sure. Oh yeah. Since Tony Hawk, but Hell yeah. Long Beach activities was so vast because like I said, it was like we could get into whatever you wanted to. So it's like I had homies I was into like straight PC games, like not even PlayStation. Yeah. Like they was strictly typing and shit. I had homies I was making collages as a kid, like nigga big ass fucking wall collages. Like it was so many it was such a creative city because we did have a lot of outlets, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's one thing I can say about Long Beach. Like, anybody from, Long, like, Long Beach isn't a place that you can't make it out of. Like, uh-huh. anybody, that's why you never hear too much complaining from people coming out of Long Beach. Like, yeah. Compton's different. Like, Compton, you if you're from Compton, you probably want to get out. Uh-huh. Like, your goal is to, like, get a crib in, like, Inglewood maybe. Or you just want to get out of the terror of of the of the heat of Compton, but Long Beach, you can live in Long Beach right. under the radar 
pretty pretty sweet yeah like you could you know what my my wife before we got together was living in long beach and then i convinced her to move up to la with me and she still to this day is like we should just move to long beach because it's she loves it it's nothing bad about long beach because i always tell people like it's not like i just feel like it's far it feels it far. It is for sure far. Yeah. Long Beach is one of them cities where, like, it's not like Compton or L.A. where, like, even if you're not into it, you're going to get into it. Yeah. Like, even if you're just a cool guy at the store in Compton, you probably might have to sock someone in the face. Mm. Like, probably. Just, damn it. Like, mm-hmm. fucking, it's early. I got you. You know, Long Beach, you could literally skate scotch-free. Every you gonna, If you want to get into gangbanging, that's because you got into it. Mm. Like, it's no peer pressure mm-hmm. in long beach because there's fucking million people in our little city so it's mm-hmm. like you don't have to you don't even have to get seen right, right. <laughs> I, I haven't seen i live on the same street as motherfuckers i haven't seen i've seen them like once a year it's like because there's right. so much going on it's so you know it's, it's a big city it's not like compton or something like that's a small city too. right as a kid are you back and forth living at your mom mm-hmm. and dad's places very manipulative young child really how so i would tell one parent like oh, I want to go stay with dad. Just pay me, give me some money for this. Like yeah. oh, like oh, I want to go somewhere this weekend. Can I have some money? Yeah. Like dad didn't give me any money. Like what? He didn't give you any money. I want to give you double. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you go to mom. You go to dad. He doesn't believe that mom didn't give you any money. So you got to tell him like you know she only gave me this much. Yeah. I mean, can you just help me get the rest? Yeah. And then he he want to show that he's a you feel me being yeah. a good dad. So he double it up. So I'm learning like okay. Then you ask grandma both days. So you're learning how to be a little oh, manipulator. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. That's what they, they fucked up, though, because they fucking... Did those kind of street smarts translate into school as well? Hell no. You didn't give a fuck about school from Hell jump? Hell no. Really? Hell no. So, like, dropping out of high school was kind of a given from the jump. Like, there was never a moment where you're like, I really fuck with reading or I fuck with math. If you had eyes, you could see what I was about to do. Really? From the get-go. Yeah. You knew that kid was different. He was asking weird, the, the most obscene questions in class. Yeah. And, and I had such a formula where it's like, I did just enough to where... If you verbatim said what I said in class, it didn't sound that bad. Uh, but if I, but the, but my timing of it and the way I'm in is like, oh, this thing is so disrespectful. Yeah. But it's like, I just had a formula and it was. Where, like, where were you picking up on that? Were you around a lot of like older dudes your dad was hanging out with? Kind of, but like I was just such a spoiled brat and so entitled and so I just felt like since a kid. I felt like my time was really that valuable. Like, what am I doing? You know, like when you, when people be like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And they just say that because I really in my brain yeah. felt like I could have been doing something better than being at school. So you felt special as a kid. I, and it, looking back, it's like all kids did. You we do. all We yeah. all did. But it's like, damn, like. I kind of was like, fuck it. I'm going to fucking get a tattoo. I'm going to fucking like. I was doing shit like if you was around my age, it's like yo, dog. Like, but it was normal to to us because like like we wasn't kicking around my dad friends, but like it was definitely like older people in the neighborhood and shit was normal. So school was like shock value to them because the neighborhood it wasn't that scary, it wasn't that crazy. It was like oh you got a little tattoo, oh cool, yeah, trying to be like him. Wait, how old are you when you get a tattoo? Fucking like fifteen, sixteen. Oh yeah, okay. My mom took that's not that crazy, not too crazy, but like. Definitely. Oh, when you're saying, because I'm thinking of, we're talking about elementary school, oh, like you're nah. like, oh yeah, when I was ten, I got drilled. Oh, like what? Nah. Yeah, nah. yeah. At that age, like even when you start school, right? You're in first, second grade. Are you playing sports or anything like that? Nah, I got kicked out of first grade for singing 
for singing this song. What's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was walking around singing that song all day. They suspended you for that? And this, they kicked me kicked out you of out. school for that. Because the, a girl, the, the fucking girl snitched on me and just said I said pussy. Yeah. She didn't say that I was singing the song. And that made it worse when I'm in the office singing the lyrics. Looking back, I'm like, yo, this kid is fucking different. Like, this kid is wild. Like, they kicked me out of that shit because I, I think they wanted me to, like, apologize or something. They wanted me to do something very minuscule, and I was just like. Well, what do you do after that, then? I go to another school. I got, from first to fifth grade, I got kicked out of, I got kicked out of every school I went to until fifth grade. Wow. Now, looking back, right, <laughs> realistically, with adult human eyes. I'm a fuck up. No, but really, what was it, do you think? Did you have ADD? Hell no. No? I don't think it was nothing. I think I was just so over the fact. I think I was just so over, um, I don't even know the word for it. What's the word when they, when authority? Yeah. Like, I was so over. Like my I Where just, does that come from? I just convinced myself. It's fucked up. It's deep. It's layered in me. I don't know. I think that shit is like hereditary. Bro. Really? Did any teachers ever pull you aside and oh, be yeah. like, hey, hey, man, like you're really smart. Why are you fucking Fuck, up? You want to know something scary? Yeah. It's this teacher named Samantha. I hope she's still alive. In ninth grade, when I dropped out of Jordan, when I went to uh, this shit called OFL, Opportunities for Learning, she pulled me to the side name of Samantha. She was a lesbian lady, and she was in a band. She used to always act. This is when, around the time when I, like, this is around the time when I met, like, Buddy and, like, Epic and, like, the homies I, like, hang around with and mm-hmm. then, like, I was seeing like the early stages of Buddy's career and I was seeing the early stages of all these artists career around me. And that's when I first like started trying to rap. Mm-hmm. So I would be not at school for days. It'd be like three. It's like a hundred and ninety something days in the school school days in a year. And I'd miss like 80 or some shit. And she put me to the cut and she's like, I'm in a band. But she broke it down to me. and She's like, why are you? What's going on? I, t- I broke it down to her. I was like, look, I'm trying to do this music shit. I've been writing to these fucking YouTube instrumentals and blah, blah, blah. And she said, look, you're never going to succeed in music <clears throat> if you don't like draw a line in the sand and pick what you really want to do. She was like, you're never, ever going to succeed in music if you're focused on school. So she was like, wow, <laughs> this is a true story. I even have an email from her from 2016 that like was like i seen your youtube video you're glad you're still doing music blah 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 whatever. yeah but she she said and she was like if you complete just the back of your packets she was like just do the back and come to school a little early and we'll figure we'll do the front i'll help you mm-hmm. and she did that for this me. is at the continuation school yeah yeah and she did that for me for months got me by so my mom didn't get fined yeah or have to drive me way to somewhere else because i was out of the jurisdiction and she got by but technically i'm in the like the 11th grade i never you never got your ged never uh but thanks to her i got by yeah samantha man, that's quite the you. advice I yeah shout you, out baby. samantha she said you got to draw a line in the sand verbatim that's what she said yeah, what do wow. you want and wow that's when i was like all right well yeah because she told me her parents made her do that as a cushion yeah and she said whenever she looks at her um facebook and looks at all her friends living life she said they're happier being broke doing what they love than she is getting money doing what she doesn't love totally totally you said you start to see buddy making music what what year is that about i have no idea years after ninth grade the years got fuzzy but i do remember he was on a macbook recording on a fucking macbook mic was he in the continuation school with you or is he just from your neighborhood no he just was around the neighborhood yeah he was he was mutual friends with a friend 
And it just worked out so crazily because we looked alike. So people would say, like, you look like you look like my friend Sammy. I could kind of see that. And yeah. I'm like, no, I don't. And then, boom, we end up meeting. And then that the Spider-Man meme. Yeah. <laughs> that happened. And then, like, that was my first little spark when I seen a motherfucker actually say something and then it happens. Did you go to his house and see his, like, setup or something? Or you just yeah. heard him talk about his music? Nah, I was at his crib and shit. Me and Epic would be at his crib. And a motherfucker would be in his room making songs on a MacBook mic. And we'll be like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. Motherfucker, just first song out the gate he recorded got seen by fucking Scott Venier and Pharrell and shit. Yeah, Pharrell. That's how the- I found out about him in this photo shoot. And one of the dudes doing video on it had shot his first music video. Teddy. It was like, yo, you got, yeah, Teddy. Yeah, Teddy Kelly. He was like, uh, he's like, yo, oh, you kind of neat that seems really cool you got to check out this guy buddy mm-hmm. and i saw that and then i was trying to get buddy on back in like 2014 2015 mm-hmm. never happened but um yeah shout out yeah that shit changed my life that shit made me look at everything macro yeah like, i was looking at shit so small before that and then i started looking like oh like you gotta fucking like shoot a video you gotta yeah shoot a real video you gotta make a song with a topic you got that's when it was like oh fuck this is real work like oh, yeah shit, i thought this was all well so then you're bars. P- from the same kind of age group as vince mm-hmm. as well did oh, you yeah, kind of watch sure. his ascension too vince was different because vince came vince's situation was extremely unique yeah he's extremely intelligent yeah and he's a alien he's like a different kid yeah. he didn't drink didn't smoke yeah. didn't hang out he was like a true gang man and really by the time he was 16 he was already like kind of out of long he beach was in the, he was in his own he, he was, was crashing already, on my homie speaks house yeah, yeah shout out to speak i got a song with speak yeah. yeah shout out to speak man but yeah fucking he's very unique man he had a lot of support that could nurture that so it's like Imagine like if you had a if you were like a rich kid and you had a homie who's a crib but super smart and you could just vision it like I see I already see what you what just, yeah. let me just put let me just keep you away from the bullshit if we could just keep you, yeah you know that did seem like what was happening my thing was then. like yeah. I I always had like a gang of crips that kept me away from the bullshit so I kind of had the freedom to fuck up yeah. a little bit like you know what I'm saying like. That's why I'm like about to be that's why these next two years are about to be like my ascension because the beginning years when I was watching Vince and Buddy, if I would have got it that early, I wasn't mature sure, enough to handle that. Those guys were already mature. Vince was mature as a sixteen year old for folks. He was sake. already because he already seen what I seen last year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He seen that early. Yeah. So it's like he's a different case, and he's you know, definitely... you know, I did a one of these type of videos with him in 2011. I think I seen that it was on Knocksteady, and and Knocksteady, yeah, he, I he used, came, I love yes, Knocksteady. Speak brought him in, and he had one verse, and I said, "You, keep, this is only 30 seconds. Can you can you write another one?" And he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, sure," and it was very quiet. He sat down and in ten minutes he goes, Okay, I'm ready. And he fucking spit two crazy ass verses. He just wrote a whole song in ten minutes with like mad s- metaphors and, and then similes he recorded and that, that song actually that real song didn't he i don't know it was called queens Queensbridge zoo, zoo. I, re- I don't know if a he, classic uh, yeah and that's s- a kind of neat classic right yeah there. that's that's I, one that's of the OG, saw. yeah that's the og knock steady video that that kind of Ashton. inspired this yeah yeah that whole click is like they was like celebrities you know what i mean yeah if it wasn't for them i wouldn't know how to like identify myself 
as a Long Beach artist right. because Snoop kind of fucked it up for us. He uh, was so big yeah. and so influential. Right, the most. That yeah. it's like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So it's like, how else could Vince stand out? Let me not smoke. Let me not drink. Let me be my complete self. Yeah. For me, I like smoking and drinking. And it's like, I like doing all the shit that, you know, I grew up doing. But it's like, what my perspective is what makes me unique from Long Beach. Just the perspective of like. Seeing Buddy's setup, does that help you kind of realize what you need to get your own setup? Fuck yeah. Are you recording at his space or what are you doing? Fuck yeah. We started recording in our closet. Too. Okay. He was like, oh, that's all So you, you just got a little MacBook and an interface and start recording in the closet not or what? Even, it's the computer, not even a MacBook. Yeah. Man, it's a bitch ass computer. And we started recording. On Cool Edit or what? What were you recording? Uh, we was using like Acid Pro. Oh, wow. That's what I started on, Acid Pro. Yeah, come on. Bro. But that was back. I started. That was back in like 2001, I had, bro. I had Acid Pro on the shit. I had. Uh... Oh, I remember now. We had two computers. My boy Epic had one. And then we had like a um, a desktop. Mm-hmm. So we would do freestyles on this laptop and then do like what we call like the real one on the fucking computer. And it was very amateur yeah matter of fact the scariest part about my career is in the beginning of my career i don't even remember this dude's name but i met him in my cousin's garage listening to like diggable planets or something and he was like some big exact dude like bro i don't know who to this day i wish i knew who this dude was but my cousin hooked it up and the only reason why i knew he was a big exact dude is because i spit a freestyle for him in my cousin's garage and he was like i'm gonna take you to the studio he and he was like, you recorded a song before? I'm like, yeah. I never recorded a real song in a real studio in my life at that point. I'm planning to do the studio session with me and my boy. This I learned industry etiquette 101 right here. He's like, uh, uh, come solo. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. It worked out because my boy had to go to Washington that day anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. But... I go to the studio. It's a big-ass studio. It's a big-ass mic. I do a, my first real song ever that i ever recorded was mixed and mastered mm. like sounded incredible lyrics was trash as shit i don't even know what the fuck made him pay for the session i know he had to pay for it because like <laughs> motherfuckers was asking me do i you okay you want water you know they only care about they only give you that when you're paying for the session mm-hmm. so he paid for the session i got the song back i never dropped it i don't even know who made the beat Nothing, but it was like that taught me like, God damn, like, bro, like that shit was a whole thing for one song. How old are you at that? Fucking around that age, like 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. That shit was nuts. And it was early in my career. And I was like, fuck. And imagine having your first song is mixed and mastered and it never come out. And then you got to go back to the closet. Yeah. That shit humbled me so crazy. I was like, oh, fuck. So what do you do to get by in those years uh, when you're, like, not in school, but, like... We was selling weed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We was stealing clothes, stealing sidekicks. So you just said, fuck it, I'm never going to have a job? Never. Yeah. Have you ever? I've had jobs, but they weren't... They weren't... They were, like, gigs, more or less? It was gigs. Yeah. I never had a job to where it was, like, they felt like he's committed to the company. Yeah. They've, you know what I'm saying? They've always been like, yeah, he's going to go off soon. Right. It's like, give him, you know, take your little $300 checks, go home. But I never had a real job. Everything I ever got was off of just pure style and smile. I wish I was lying. Or else I wouldn't even be here. And my mom was always there for me. Like, my mom, I had one of them moms that 
worked so much that she had no time to spend money. Yeah. You know, after bills and this and that, it was like she really had the she had the she could take a few L's financially investing in her son. Like she's definitely invested in me and lost money. Uh, You know what I'm saying? So like my mom's definitely was there. You know, I didn't have to pay rent. I was staying with my mom's. If I still fuck around, go stay with my mom's tomorrow. (laughs) I I ain't got no pride, but it's like fucked around and like I always hear a lot of rappers and you hear how they survived and it's like nigga my mom's who else was there yeah right mom's was there helping me to fuck out granny was there and the homies and whatever little shorty I was fucking with at the time and I kind of just like rotated how long is it after you start making music to you feel like you're really getting the hang of it and finding your voice. 2018 when I met Nico Beats I didn't know what the fuck so it took a long time fuck yeah well, so, I mean, those, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, oh, my God. Like, what? Failures. Yeah, what What do they look like? Are, do you, are you lost the whole time? Fuck no. I, I was in Buddy's first video. Yeah. I still had Buddy around, so I had I had, a, I had a, a guiding light. Yeah. Like I said, after I met Buddy and after I met Epic and even Westside Boogie, who was on the show. Yeah, yeah, Boogie. You know, like, th- th- that was like Desi G., those people were like so vital in my come up because they. So are you guys all part of like a Long Beach scene together? Kind of like you guys have all known Desi, each other for years. Desi G started the scene. I kind of just everybody just kind of followed suit. You know what I mean? Nobody really had a scene. You know, we had different cliques here yeah, and there, yeah. but like everybody was kind of just going for dolo and helping each other. Buddy was kind of like the priority because he was the only person we knew that was actually in the industry. Mm-hmm. So he knew people in the industry back then that are power players now. Mm-hmm. So it's like definitely like his success was nothing short of hard work and relationships because, mm-hmm. the you know, same people. But like through another time, you know, I had a guiding light. So I was in like his video shoots. I, you know, I would chop it up with Pharrell at the video shoot. Ask him like, yo, if you can give me one piece of advice, OG, what would you give me? You know, like, don't give up. Keep going. You know, give me the shit. You know, I was there. I was soaking up a game and I dressed cool enough to get into certain parties and I could model here or there. You know, we was doing our little thing, but it wasn't like you wasn't making no my product wasn't reflecting my lifestyle. Yeah, that's what I could say. Like. I was living a lifestyle like that most up-and-coming rappers live, but they was delivering. Their output was way different than mine. Yeah. Because I was concerned because I'm kicking it with him. So I'm like, damn, my shit got to be mixed and mastered. My shit, I can't be doing no bogus shit. Granted, I'm still dropping bullshit mixtapes here or there to keep me afloat, but nothing is of quality until I meet Nico Beats. So break it down. Who's Nico Beats and how do you guys meet? Nico Beats is my, my fucking... Man, that motherfucker saved my life, bro. I had no... Uh, man, to this day, if I didn't have Nico, man, I would be so much shit. But Nico Beats is a producer. He's a fucking architect. He's a scientist. Out of where? Also Long Beach? Nah, he's from, the, he's from like the IE area. Okay. How'd you guys meet? We met because we had a mutual friend named Kyle who... um, I met Kyle through like some other mutual friends and he knew I rapped and he knew Nico made beats. So he used to tell me like, Hey bro, like the kind of, kind of beats you like, I know somebody who makes those kind of beats. And you know, for like, I think I knew Nico for like a year before we made music too. So I was like, yeah, okay. I hear some shit, you know, but one day I went over to their little compound and they had some speakers over there. Yeah. And that boy, 
man, he must have played some shit that made the earth crack. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, we got to rap. And then we did a whole tape in a day. Because not, not the not black sidekick rap. files. Oh, okay. nah, we did a tape before that. Okay. But um yeah, Nico was just like really nerdy. And that was like what I wasn't into. You know, I was just like, let's go in the studio, let's make the song, you know, let's keep it moving. He's nerdy. He's like, let me turn this stuff fader, da, 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 the compression. I'm like, what the fuck? So he's teaching me all that shit and learning. And he's a kid too. He's like maybe 18. Yeah, he's like 18 at the time. I'm already Yeah. 21 i think or some shit like that so when once i met nico and we made that first project we was like all right cool like he wasn't worried about percentages and splits and he was just like let's just we didn't know about none of that i didn't even have a bmi nothing we was just making music off the love then we seen the reaction we got from that tape and was like oh okay like the sidekick files yeah maybe we should what's the reaction where do you put it out at we just put it out on YouTube. We shot a video with this dude who's kind of famous now. His name's David Kill. He does like 3D like animation and shit like that. He did a video for us. It was his first video. Wow. So it was everybody's first shit. It was like Genesis. Like all mm-hmm. the people, like even our cameraman that we was fucking with at the time, like it was our first shit. So everybody kind of like used that as a resume, like Psychic Files, and then drifted off and did their own respect efforts. Mm-hmm. Nico stayed around. Nico was like, yo, let's do that again. So, yeah, Nico definitely changed my perspective on music. I didn't know too much about Dilated before I met him. Like, I knew the hits, but I didn't know the history. Mm-hmm. So he taught me hip-hop history. He taught me, like, like where are we going with this? Like mm-hmm. an inevitable ceiling to what we do. The reason that you're mentioning dilated is because that's like exactly. DJ Babu's son, exactly. right? Okay, so so you huge factor. In yeah, this. so he's got this lineage of like legendary hip hop in his blood, basically. <sighs> One of the best turntablists of all time. He's right? on the Mount Rushmore of DJ. Yeah, for sure. So is he Filip- I, is he Filipino? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know this at the time. This is another reason why Nico is Nico. Because I didn't know his dad was who he was. I just knew he he was who he was. I didn't know he was that big. You know, they all too humble to be even... I don't know. Them niggas, that's a different level of humble they got over there. Yeah, it's funny. Like, really great turntablists are also just very normal, funny dudes. Dude, he's stupid funny. Yeah. And when we put out Sidekick Files Part 1... And we got a reaction back. I feel like Nico's family, like, cause they, you know, that's a family over there. Like that ain't no music shit. So when I worked with Nico, they was like, I'm not going to say they, they were like slow to accept. Cause that's they, it's Nico's first effort. He's going into the industry. Yeah, This is dad. It's just an industry. It's like, you know, this is their baby. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? They have to check me out. They like this dude from Long Beach. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of elements that went into it. History and time is the reason why me and Nico worked it out. Cause time is scary. So after we put out the first one, like what for whatever reason, I guess Babu likes it. Yeah. Motherfucker hops do some scratches on our on the next album. Yeah, Gil Scott never dies, right? Never is that what lie. it is? Gil Scott uh, Gil, never, never lies. Change my mother. That shit change. I get paid. That's a big song. It, it has what? half a million views. Like that's your biggest song on the what? streaming platforms, right? That's that song is it for me. Yeah. And it's funny because that song is one of them songs where 
Nico called me and told me that would be that song. Yeah. He called me and was like, I got a beat for you. And that's another reason why it's good to work up a sin. Why I always say Nico saved my life is because he taught me synergy. He taught me, you're not just going to make a good record probably like your first go with somebody. You might not even get like this. Our, this our first interview. This might not even be the one that the one that they really fuck with it might be the second interview we do or might be i might be like let's not know, get ahead of ourselves here saying, you, no i'm just kidding no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, saying, with you. I'm just saying like you know what i mean like i might be like you know what i like the way this dude yeah. interview i want when i get to a certain point i'm like i want him yeah, yeah. to do my shit for my please shit. call me back in the future let's get Trust. it so it's like that kind of shit is what nico taught me yeah. he took me out of that rapper mentality and was like bro this is real life like my dad already lived this career that you're trying to live we right. see that already so what I, the way where you can kind of like put in a cheat code in this in this industry is if you don't treat it like an industry yeah is if we treat this shit like these is just motherfuckers who just do what they do once i understood that and i was like oh i don't gotta be politically correct because you gotta understand i was watching like interviews and shit. i'm thinking you had to be a certain way i'm thinking hip-hop and was etiquette and all that that shit don't mean nothing, man. These motherfuckers is human. They pissing just like us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. Be you. Be honest as fuck. And somebody gonna. De- That's what Nico taught me. That's why producers and yeah, hip hop and DJs. That's why you, when you do find that synergy of a dude who has a producer, a DJ, it's an artist, and they tour. You see, it's differently than like the artist who's just like on a tour with like his boys. How, how long do you and Nico work on Black Wax? I would give it. Not long at all. Given like we probably made black wax in like four sessions. Do you think that's the record where you like really came into your own and found yourself? For sure. Okay, yeah, that's like the one for sure. Yeah, that shit was it for me. That's that record. Because made- listening to that, like, yeah, you sound like a complete package. Like you sound like a fully marketable rapper by that point. For sure. Yeah, and it's like that taught me too. Like how you come into this shit is how they're gonna view you yeah i'm glad i didn't have like the booty shaking one is the one that they kind of caught me first yeah. you know what i'm saying like it's like that's like my how to rob if this was like a 50 cent situation like that was like the song that was like it was doing really well but it wasn't what made that song catch on gil scott yeah um i'm gonna say babu oh yeah I, if i'm gonna be completely funky if i'm gonna say babu because i feel like if you seen Playlist definitely made it, you know, definitely yeah. did his part. But if if I feel like if you was just an OG hip-hop dude, like, you know, and you really, somebody probably recommended me to you. That's kind of how I be getting my fans. Somebody probably, somebody said it, like, you should, you might fuck with this. And then I feel like, just like everybody else in my career at, up to this point, when I say the name DJ Babu, they go, oh, yeah, cool, like, Say no more. I met Jason Goldwatch, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, yeah, I fuck with Babu. He was like, oh, psh. Yeah. He looked like he didn't fuck with nobody. He yeah. was like, yeah, okay, cool. That's all you had to say. That's tight. And I'm like, cool. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like, luckily, he's like, a, has a great rep. So it's like, I think that's, I think Babu adding the scratches on that and the video made it pop. The video with the rain, I had like. But don't sell yourself short. You also got some great bars on I that I barred shit. off. Yeah. I barred off. You is, know, that the, did, is that the one that has the line about, uh. Look like a tech, but it's really just a Nina. Mm-hmm. And we dis uh, it's dirty we as dis fuck. Looks looks like it could, but it looks dirty as fuck, but couldn't be cleaner or something Ooh, like that, right? Yeah. I mean, it. I only had to hear it once to remember that fucking line. Like Ooh. that's a that's a bar. So it's like we dis Lil Zan, we dis bitch nine, we dis all the fucking 
SoundCloud culture, and you see where they at. So it's yeah. like pretty beautiful how it all. It, it definitely aged well. Part of the reason that I got interested in wanting to have you on the show, right? is because of all of the mutual followers that we have and all the people that I really enjoy who also clearly fuck with you, uh, i.e. you just did a song with Maxo, you know, I see, like, Sifu following you, all, all, um, you know, all, all the dudes that I listen to really frequently, like, they, you're part of that scene now. How do you start meeting all those guys? How the fuck did I meet Maxo? I want to call him actually. Was he was he the one who was the gateway to meeting everybody else in that kind of artsy scene? No. It's very weird. Maxo came out of nowhere. He really did. I I went from having never heard of him to hearing Little Big Man and being like, "Holy shit." I don't know how the fuck I If I'm going to be completely honest, I think my friend Barrington might have put put me on him, but um that scene got brought over to me because pink seafood's been my dog for a minute yeah that's everybody's homie he's just he is the man he's just i don't know he's just like that guy yeah so it's like once i started getting it in with them and um who got me in that fucking scene somebody and brought me in though like, yeah it was definitely like a i think honestly what it was i think it might have been nico nico yeah. might have brought me in that scene a lot but Man, that that it's a blessing that I fuck with them cats because those cats are doing it for the the straight love. Like they not in it. They don't care about anything other than like reach, touching their fans directly, spreading that message and keeping it moving. I just feel like um your sound seems to fit in that realm too to, though. We need to do like a compilation album or something. Like we need to do like one album with like all of us different songs the, the, when i was a kid those were like the game changers for me were, were the compilation Fucking albums violator you know or or even movie soundtracks oh yeah you know movie soundtracks were like just the best compilations Fucking above the sound rim. bombing and shit. oh sound bombing was huge for me eminem was on that shit. i know i was actually just thinking of that song give me 11 etc in my head will spin get my motor revving like a 747 jetta gin <laughs> i was just thinking it. about that literally at dinner for some reason like he's, what the fuck he's it that's got to be one of his best songs in my Easy. opinion yeah and babu is the fucking intro on that shit come on that's it's all full circle i went back and looked at that shit later that it took me like three years to go back and like be like what the fuck was i am i a part of well, he was like the main dj on that wasn't That's he his shit. man i mean golly what a that i i will say this with full um confidence and certainty that that album i heard it when i was 18 and it just like completely blew me away and changed everything that i was looking for in rap at that point oh, you know what i mean so when you release Black Wax, do doors start opening? Fuck yes. Yeah, what starts happening? I seen, I seen the industry for yeah. what it really is. I fucked up and we dropped the video after the shit come out. So so for for artists that if you ever listen to this, drop the video before your album comes out so you can see who's. Who? Because I dropped my album, you know, it's just a link, it's just a story, you know, it's just like shit like that. It did well. The minute that video came out, and that boy somehow, I believe I texted to this to Adam Twenty Two, and he posted it on No Jumper just to fuck, just because I dissed Little Zan, mm. and he just knew that that his people react to that. 
And I thought they were going to talk shit about it. And every you could check the comments. Everybody's like, finally, you got some real rap on here. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. So that kind of like, we didn't know that that's how it was going down. No, we thought it was just like, just catching on. I'll look at my phone like, fuck, these motherfuckers really like this shit. Mm-hmm. So after that, it kind of just made the industry come at me. And I kind of thought I was about to fuck with some deal. The industry taught me this. This is what fucked me up. This is what scarred me about the industry. That's so why I really don't like it. The industry is like uh, like a dude trying to take advantage of a girl right when she get out of a breakup. Mm. It's like they see you just dropped your album. They see you doing well. They see the momentum. They see the happiness. And they going to pull up on you so smooth, manipulate you, have you thinking you about to do something cool, and totally really just slow me down. They really just pulled up. I think I dropped it in like February or something. So from February to like June, I didn't drop. And then I dropped. It was probably longer than that. Then I dropped a single because this fucking industry dude convinced me that rapping on the up-tempo beats would be Mm -hmm. more, you know, for this. But I didn't know that it was like a fucking thing where he's like knowing what's what's the in the in the building's like best interest at the time so he's like okay if i could just get this guy to conflict of interest sign with my lawyer and make this kind of song i could go give it to the building real quick Mm -hmm. and get paid and he would have never had to deal with me again after fucking i signed the contract he got his percentage boom Mm -hmm. who fuck fuck this kid that almost happened but last minute literally I, I canceled. I was just like, nah, I'm cool. Like it was like looking like some nice money on the table, but I would it would have been like What have the last two years been like then? Super, super tight for me. Like I've been stressed out lately because I'm finally dropping music. So it's like, Was it sort of back to the lab for these last oh yeah. two years? And it, like let's fu- get even fu- better? Not really, because like the industry, if you look at the industry like that. No, I don't mean the industry. I'm talking about you and Nico. Oh. I'm talking about you and Nico. Yeah, we did. Luckily, we didn't stop making music after like the whole situation or whatever happened. So it was kind of like super good that we kind of just like went back, said fuck what everybody was saying about the music, regroup it, repackage it up. Yeah. That's when we started really getting into like mixing and mastering and like quality. Yeah. I'm scarred about the industry, but I didn't want to like hate what was going on i was just more so like this a business how could we approach this more like more like a business what is what are we what are we in it for you know what i'm saying so that really to be honest that helped me out a lot because as you go as you're gonna see with these next releases they're so sewed up and it's just so beautiful to just see like people that are signed to deals that can't make a move and can't it's just like it's so great to see now because it's like you guys were the same guys trying to convince looking at me like I was crazy for turning down all that money like Dave Chappelle. But it's like we could do it ourselves. All it is releasing an album is like you release the album, you shoot two videos, you get three story promos, some assets and a promo video. Yeah. And upload the shit on DistroKid. And yeah, you can definitely tell do it your, yourself. Tell your days. popular friends to post it. That's all it is, really. Well, and that's what I really love about the circle of guys that you're fucking with right now as well is that it's a whole network of mm-hmm. like social media support. Like if if those dudes start fucking with you, everybody in that circle posts their shit to Instagram mm-hmm. and it's like you can't help but see it on 20 stories and then eventually you're going to fucking click one. You feel me? 
Like I, that's honestly like how I found out about hella rappers is just through that little, whatever that little rap social media mafia yeah. that's going on right and, there. And they're definitely gonna display it because the stronger, like me and Maxo talk about this shit all the time. The stronger we are as a unit, and the stronger like our twenty artists are, that's the stronger we could throw our own festivals. That's yeah. the stronger we could put our own shit together. Right. We don't. You know what I'm saying? A thousand fans give you a hundred dollars. What's that? A hundred thousand dollars. That's what I always tell people. Come on. Uh, so what's the plan now then? You, you've you got new music dropping soon? Oh, yeah. Okay. Everything is beautiful right now. The plan is I got to roll out dropping on every holiday in the fourth quarter. So Thanksgiving, motherfucking Hanukkah and Christmas. And I think I'm going to do Christmas Eve and I might do Christmas too, like on some weird shit. Um, I got this series I'm doing called Don't Miss Mondays where I freestyle on all the old beats and I'm going to just drop them on Mondays. I'm just building up my buzz right now so that I can like license my music off. I don't, mm. I'm a business. Like I can't look at it like I'm a rapper and be in my emotions no more. Mm-hmm. You're a business dog. The goal is to build the value up to, with me so high and build it up so much to where fuck it take the back catalog for this amount of money because i can do this again like mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying i got mm-hmm. enough juice in me to do it a hundred times mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and i believe in a thousand fan theory you know what i'm saying so like in the next two years definitely i got i got about a hundred so in the next two years we get that thousand fans we get a hundred dollars we build infrastructure we buy compounds we get into real estate but the plan now is to build myself up mm-hmm. so much to be an undeniable force like that guy briz for surely is like an undeniable force and he's still human being and his infrastructure is really strong so that my output is going to look different than a lot of artists output right now because I got my own company. I got Bristol Miss. I got graphic designers under there. I got my fucking video dudes. I got them on file. Even my girlfriend is in digital media. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Everybody around me, I could call them and be like, yo, not only do I, I need some mock-ups. Yo, Nico, I need you to mix this song for me. Can you have it by tomorrow? Yo, I got a mastering dude, my boy Depp, Million Dollar Snare. Yo, can you master this song for me? Boom. I'll give you a little royalties on the distro kid. I don't got no money on me right now. Mm. Do you see how my infrastructure just went from, I got my song, I made the song, I got it mixed by Nico, got it mastered by Depp, got the mock-ups for the merch, and I get in the video shot by Friday, and all I have to do is, get once I get the file back, upload it to distro kid, and it takes fucking 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. Rapper's output should be insane. Mm-hmm. Guess who was stopping me? Yeah, he's pointing at himself. But that's the whole thing. Hear me out, because I agree with you, right? But I think to take it to the next level, you also need someone that you trust that can do all those things for you while you just concentrate on the art. Fush out. Because when I was an independent artist, uh, you know, still am in a sense an independent artist, but when I was really concentrating mostly on the art, I was doing exactly what you were doing, which was making the song, making sure the song got mixed, helping sequence the song before it got mixed so that it it, it sounded how I heard it in my head, you know, getting it mixed and mastered, uh, and then finding somebody to shoot a video, uh, uh, you know, finding somebody to design a shirt for the albums, the album card, yada, 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 all the shit that goes into it. And then when you're doing that and concentrating on it as a business, you forget to write the songs. You forget to record the songs. You forget to live the life 
that makes you want to write the songs because all you're concentrating on is getting the songs into the universe, right? So that's that's the next step for you, Huey, is you got to find a manager that isn't trying to fuck you, that does believe in you, that will do all that bullshit you're talking about. Because that's what it is, really. It's all the bullshit behind putting out a song. And, and it is important, but it also sucks all the fucking energy out of you. Oh, yeah. And so the next big step for you to make that infrastructure go to the next level is to find somebody that you trust to manage all that shit for you while you just get to be Huey Briss that don't miss. You feel me? That is my unsolicited advice to you as someone 10 years older than you. And that's what I'm about to do. You know what I'm saying? I need it. Yeah, man. But anyway, hey. That shit is stressful as fuck. It is, man. It takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot out of you. But I think that's... um, Everything you're saying is lessons for people listening for certain. You know, it's definitely game. Um, that said, do, do you know uh, a title of all the st- Is it coming out at, just as singles uh, that you're nah. putting out? Or is it going to be a collection of songs at the end? Thanksgiving is a um, single produced by Chuck English called In the City. Dope. Shout out, Chuck. That's the second kind of neat guest ever. <sighs> yeah. We go back, bro. That's a legend. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, then. we got the single with Chuck. That's going to be beautiful. Hanukkah. Hanukkah, I got an EP. Oh, I'm going to just call it an album. Fuck it. Call yeah. it Grace Park Gospel. Sango on there. Uh, Budgie on there. Sick. Nico's on there. My boy Rex, T-Rex Global, did the artwork. Two visuals. Uh, who else on there? Hugh Augustine, this guy named I Am Nobody. So that comes out Hanukkah. That's on Hanukkah. And then you got more stuff coming out. And then the out. album, the official, my, me and Nico's official album, the trilogy to me and Nico's uh, whatever it yeah. is, Sidekick Files, Black Wax, and then we going to drop Grace Park Legend on Christmas Eve. Yeah. That's going to be. So you have an EP and an album coming out all by the end of the year. For sure. They're already uploaded to this show. Awesome. Amazing, yeah, man. Hell yeah. We're looking forward to it. So that's all coming and then um then the top of the then the top of the year, I got a single with Buddy and Kent that's produced by Nico called Cup of Tea. I'll play it for you. Amazing. So that's definitely gonna be a very good look for me. I feel like after that one, that's when the management situation may come. Amazing. A little bit more easier just because we could leverage that single yeah, yeah. and kind of make some things happen. But that's kind of my plan for the fourth quarter. Like oh, yeah. top of the year 2021, boom, give them the buddy single. And and we gotta keep going too, because it's like we me and Nico got another project on there. Me and Nico got a project that's coming at the top of the year with Lord Apex on it. It got Logi on it. I love Logi. Logi's one of my favorite rappers yeah. ever. Quote me. Yeah. It got Maxo on it. Love Maxo. Obviously. We got Madani on it. Shout out Madani. Man, we got so we got so many people on that album. That's just like it feels like like a rap compilation. Pink Seafood on there. Yeah. Seafood Sam. Seafood Sam got an ill verse on the Black Wax project too. Who? Seafood Sam had a whole EP with Chuck English about to come out. So oh wow. A whole Sick. not even an EP an album. Yeah. So you got you got the whole you got the whole circle on the upcoming joints oh fuck yeah, yeah. seafood's on my m- debut album yeah. seafood's my brother like we argue we bicker like brothers that's yeah. my real brother like i'm always like seafood's one of the few people in my life that i'm gonna always be a thousand with like yeah. i'll be mad at him more than i fuck with him because that's really my brother yeah, yeah. so it's like i really be wanting him to to be great that's why i don't be like that's why I be so hard on my brother because I really want him to be great. Yeah. And now it's starting to pay off because now he's making his own moves. He, him and him and Chuck found him. 
And now him and Chuck about to create this like cool synergy. It's like you're, talk, you're talking about seafood, seafood not seafood, not seafood. Okay. <laughs> I was seafood, getting confused. Nah, seafood yeah, yeah. Sam yeah, yeah. and Chuck English eat, his album is coming. Hey, but we got to wrap this up. So, uh, Huey, thank you for coming in. I'm glad that you followed up and have remained diligent with me because my brain is all of the fuck over the place. Uh, tell the people where they can find you online. At Huey Briss, H-U-E-Y-B-R-I-S-S, at uh, Briss Don't Miss. On at, Instagram. On Instagram. So I got Huey Briss for me, and then I got Briss Don't Miss for like the merch. And then you can go to BrissDon'tMiss.com. That's where all the music You didn't bring merch. me a sweatshirt? I did not. Boy. Now, you probably didn't know that I'm like a double XL anyway. I wish I would have knew because I have a double XL at the house. Ask my girl. I got it was from my boy Duke, but Duke went out of town. Uh, so I I was going, man, I hope that he brings some sweatshirts. I definitely I, got one. And now I just just for the record, yeah. this will never happen again like this because I'm I've figured out like I need to keep a box of shit. Yeah, you because just gotta I, keep one in the trunk because I have to give them. You know, out. yes, one I have to. I'll tell you one thing that people will never forget is somebody that gives you a free shirt. You go, I put Man, that you on know that, that motherfucker. I love, every time I really I like him, he every, gave me a free shirt. Every time I get a free shirt, I take down a motherfucker number. I'm like, come yeah, on, like you yeah, just yeah, saved exactly. my life. I mean, I have free shirts that I got from probably 2006 still in my closet. Like, oh yeah, I remember this guy giving me this. God, you gotta keep that. Anyway, hey, thank you for coming in. What are you gonna be performing tonight? I'm gonna be performing a song off the uh, EP Grace Park Gospel. It's called Red Fox, produced by Nico Beats. Hell yeah! Extremely introspective. Good. Extremely honest. Dope. Looking forward to it. We about to rap. All right, cool. Thank you for coming in. My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition. You can follow me. Uh, as a unit, uh, I don't know. Let me start that over. You can follow us as a unit at Kind of Neats on Instagram and Twitter, but particularly go hit that Instagram. We're trying to grow that bitch. Uh, you can follow us on youtube.com slash Kind of Neats, where you're going to be seeing uh, Huey Briss perform Red Fox. And I don't know, everything wrapped up in a pretty package at kindofneat.net. That being said, this was Lee, that was Huey, yep. and this was Kind of Neats. Thank you, man.